0: All right, good morning. Good to see you and thanks for being here if you 're new we 're really glad that you 're here we 're excited that you 're here. Thanks for making us part of your, your weekend, part of your uh, Sunday. Listen, before we uh, dive in uh, today, I want to celebrate something with you last weekend. We finished up a series called Together is Better," and we also had our group link event, Group link is for people to join a small group, for people to find a new group to join. And we, we had a big group link, our, our biggest group link ever. Over 100 people attended, and we just celebrate that. And we are just so excited for many of you that are stepping into a group, stepping into a circle. And if you weren't able to make group link, and you want to get into groups not too late, stop at the Resource Center, and somebody will help you get connected. Well, I'm a sports fan, love to watch sports and uh, i would say that my all-time favorite sport though uh, as far as following it and uh, watching it is uh, indycar uh, racing now i know you know many of you a lot of people say oh auto racing you know you're just watching cars go around you know in a circle but what makes uh, indycar racing and auto racing exciting is that they're on the edge it's dangerous and there's no margin for error and there's something entertaining about watching people, you know, push it to the uh, limit. That's why the Indy 500 is the biggest sporting event in the entire world. I want to show you just a real short clip. It's about 60 seconds long of the last lap of the 2011 Indy 500. A rookie, uh, J.R. Hildebrand's in the lead. It's the last lap. If he wins the Indy 500, he's instantly famous. I mean, this changes his life. But take a look at what happens. Check this out. Come on, baby, bring it three-year-old from Sausalito, California. Listen to the crowd. Cheer him on. And how fitting for the National Guard car to win if he can indeed do that. If he got enough fuel to make it to the end? Half a lap. He's got half a lap to go, and he's the Indy 500 champion. Panther Racing. Oh, so good. They finish second here twice. Here they come again through the final two corners. J.R. Hildebrand. Hey. There's more traffic. He's got to get around no, to, oh, no. He hit the wall, he oh, hit the wall, just like Thomas Schenker, just like Schenker. Dan Weldon is going to win oh, the playoffs. Yeah, Dan! That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, that's just crazy. If he had just slowed down a little bit. He would have won uh, the Indy uh, 500. Fortunately, he's okay. He's still racing. But that's what makes Indy car racing entertaining. They push it to the limit. There is no uh, margin, and uh, sometimes they go over the edge. And they crash. And it's not just IndyCar racing. I mean, many television shows have the same appeal. You know, many of the reality shows, like Extreme uh, Weight Loss and Survivor, and remember the old show uh, Fear Factor. You watch people push their limits physically, emotionally, and relationally. You watch people do stuff, you know, you probably wouldn't do. You watch people stretch their limits, and sometimes they break. And from the comfort of our living room, it's pretty entertaining, isn't it? But in the real world, you know, where you and I live, there's nothing entertaining or fun about watching people you know, live on the edge where there's no margin for error. And if you make one mistake with your schedule, one mistake emotionally or relationally or financially, you wipe out. I mean, it's not fun, you know, watching a married couple that emotionally are at the end of their rope, and one of them just goes past their limit, goes over the edge, and they have an argument, and, you know, one of them says, I just can't take it anymore. I just can't take this marriage anymore. And there's nothing entertaining about watching a teenager just skate on the edge morally, so close to a line they know they shouldn't cross. And one night they cross it, and they'll probably carry those memories and those scars for the rest of their life. And it's no fun to watch a friend who's at their limit financially, and all of a sudden they get an unexpected uh, bill, and they go over the edge and declare bankruptcy. And all of us know what it's like. We know it's not, no fun to have your schedule so full of stuff, you don't enjoy anything that you do because you're just so concerned about getting to the next thing on time. And so today we're kicking off this new series called Living on the Edge. And we're going to learn the one thing that will keep us uh, from going over the edge. And that is margin. Here's the big idea for this series. That life is better with margin. Life is always better with margin. I want to show you a picture here to uh, illustrate what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, this is not my closet, okay? This is not for my house. My wife would, would, would kill me. But, you know, imagine this represented your life, okay? I mean, nobody looks at that and goes, oh, I love that. I love feeling stressed and overwhelmed. You know, I love getting to the end of the day and just feeling exhausted. I love living off coffee and Red Bull, you know, just to make it through every day. Nobody looks at that picture and says, oh, I love this. And so our goal for this series is for your life to look more like this. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, listen, Ben, come on, you know, that's just not practical. I'm not even sure that's possible, but hang with me, okay? As we go through this series and we learn about uh, margins, uh, we're going to see this is, this is possible. So to get us started, I want to give you a, a couple definitions for margin that I came across, and I think these will be helpful because throughout these, this series, we're going to talk about margin. Here's one definition. Margin is an amount available beyond what is actually needed. It's extra. It's reserved. For example, when you open up a book, there's text, right? And then there's this white space around the text that's called what? Margin. Yeah, you say, well, why don't they just take the text all the way out to the edge of the page? You know, have you ever seen a book printed that way? <laughs> it's weird, right? You don't, you don't want to read it because we need margin. We also have margins on highways. You know, when they build highways, I mean, they don't build the lane just as wide as the car. You know, they put some extra in there, right? I mean, I don't want just three inches on each side. I want three feet, we want, you know, more, more uh, pavement than we actually need. We want margins on our highways. And that's why when people fly, they like to fly in first class. The seats are wider, right? There's extra space, there's extra room. And so often when it comes to physical things, we want some extra space. But for some reason, when it comes to our finances and our relationships and our morality and our money, Oftentimes we live with no margin, and we don't know why there's a problem. All right, here's another definition that takes us closer to what we're going to be talking about these next couple of weeks. Margin is the space between our current performance and our limits. Margin is when you run, but you don't run as fast as you can. There's space between your performance and your limit. Margin is, is showing up early and having 10 or 15 minutes before something begins. Margin is getting to the end of the month, and there's some money left over because you had have, you have more than what was needed. Margin is getting into a disagreement with somebody, and you've got the emotional capacity to deal with it without, you know, losing your temper, without going over the edge, That's margin, and the truth is, just like you want it on a page in a book and just like you want it on the highways, there's something in us that needs margin in the important areas of our life. But here's what happens. Culture pushes us to our limit, and at our limit, there is no margin. Now, when we don't have uh, margin in our life, several things happen. First of all, our stress level goes up, because as margins decrease, stress levels increase. For example, if you're the person in the home that oversees the finances and keeps the checkbook and your husband or your wife or your, one of your kids comes up to you with an unexpected bill, right? And, you know, margins are already uh, kind of tight as soon as they start talking about that bill or that, that, that trip or whatever it is. You begin to feel emotional inside. And they say, why do you always get so uptight when we talk about finances? It's because when you know the margin is shrinking, stress levels increase. If you're a young lady and you're in a dating relationship with a guy who is pushing you physically further than you want to go because you have made a decision in advance to reserve sexual intimacy for for marriage. But every once in a while, he pushes you a little closer and a little closer. And it's stressful for you because he's pushing you to narrow your margin morally and physically, and when margins decrease, stress levels increase every single time. Maybe some of you found yourself in a situation like I did this week. I needed to be somewhere in 15 minutes, and the traffic is is backed up. You know, the traffic is slow, and, and, and what happens, the closer the clock gets to the time that you need to be there, the more stressed and frustrated you feel on the inside, because the margin has decreased, and God made us to need margin. Here's another consequence of a lack of margin. Our focus narrows. We have to become more self-centered. We have to focus more of our our emotional energy and time on ourselves because because as our margins decrease, we become aware of what's happening and our need to do something uh, about it. For example, when I I speak up here on stage, I don't even think about the edge up here. You know, I stand, I don't know, three or four feet, you know, away from it. I don't think about it, I don't worry about it, but let's say I got in the habit of uh, standing (laughs) like like right here, okay, yeah, and I just stayed here. Those of you in the front row, you'd start getting nervous. (laughs) My wife would hold up a sign, please step back, yeah, so I better step back. And if I decided to stand there on the edge every week, part of my mind, okay, that I use for remembering what to say and communicating it to you, that part of my mind would also now have to focus on not going over the edge. And so when, you're, when you narrow your margins, it forces you to become more self-absorbed and more self-centered, which leads to this third consequence, relationships suffer. Because relationships happen in the margin. When there's extra time. When there's no worries about finances. When we've got the emotional capacity to deal with the stuff that happens in relationships. But as margins decrease... So, does the health of our relationships around us because we're so stressed out and focused on our own situation? We have less to give to others in terms of time and finances and emotional support. So, if you're a person who doesn't have very much margin in your life, the people around you are thinking, you know what? You're here, but you're not really here. You know, you're here for dinner, but you're not all here. You're here, but I don't really feel like I have your undivided attention. And if you don't have margin, you can't listen and nurture very well as a parent. You're not as sensitive because you don't have the emotional or mental capacity to be fully there. Relationships suffer as margins uh, decrease. Now, I know this probably isn't you know, new information you know, for you. You're not like, wow, I've never heard of this before or I never thought about this uh, before. No, you're probably thinking, that's why I'm here. <laughs> this is where I live. Let's fix this. Because I know I'm stressed out. I know I'm doing too much. I know I don't have enough money left over. I know emotionally I find myself saying, I just can't deal with this. Question is, why? Why do we live like this? You know, why don't we fix this? And there are probably many answers to those questions. Maybe you would say, you know, it's just a season of life that I'm in, or it's my job's fault, or it's the soccer league's fault. And, you know, those may be good answers, but I think there's a bigger reason. And if we're willing to explore it, I think it can help us make progress in this area. You see, I think the reason, the big reason that we live on the edge edge, is this right here. It's fear. We're afraid of something. We're scared about something. I think for some of us, we have a fear of missing out. You know, if I don't sign up, if I don't go, you know, if I'm not there, I'm going to miss out on something good. But too often, by overscheduling and attempting to get as much as we can out of life and just living to the max, we lose control of our life because the good life is a life with margin. I think another fear that we have is a fear of falling behind. We look around everybody else and see what they're doing and we compare ourselves to other people and we say, you know what, if I slow down, I'll fall behind. I'll fall behind professionally, I'll fall behind financially, I'll fall behind in terms of experiences and vacations, but many of us actually have more money than ever before, more incredible experiences than ever before, but our calendars are so full that we're too stressed out to actually enjoy these experiences. And then one more fear, and this one's not as common, but, you know, I'll confess this one can drive me and maybe some of you, we fear not mattering. We fear getting to the end of our life, and our life won't matter, you know, the way that we want it to. We didn't make it a big enough splash. You know, we didn't build that organization. We didn't accomplish something great. You know, you didn't uh, make a mark in the business world, and that's not a bad thing to want to matter. But here's the problem. Reducing the margin in our personal lives is not a strategy for success. Reducing the margin in our personal lives in terms of time and emotions and relationships and money and morality, that's not not a strategy for success. That's a recipe that can lead you over the edge. And so we have all these fears that push us to the limit. But the good news is that, you know, is that all of us have the opportunity these next few weeks to really wrestle with this subject and to really be honest with ourselves and to begin to create some margins in our life so that we live a better life. And the good news is God actually has a lot to say about this subject. Now, when you read the scriptures, you won't re- actually find the word margin margin. But you will find God having conversations with his people about the difference between fear and faith. And margin is really an issue of faith. How much do I trust God? Specifically, how much do I trust God with blank? Because if you have an area of your life where there's no margin, it's probably because you're not trusting God enough in that area. We, we see this in scripture. Thousands of years ago, God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, and he created a new nation for them called Israel. And so they're getting ready to move into this, this new land, and because they're a new nation, God gives them some laws and some rules to live by. And in these laws and rules, which included the Ten Commandments and about 600 other commandments, it's interesting because God mandates margin. God doesn't just, you know, sit back and wait and let the people figure this out on their own. No, God builds margin into their laws. For example, one of the rules makes God's top ten list, the ten commandments. In the fourth commandment, God commands his people to take one day off a week. It's called the Sabbath command. Now, in our country, you know, we understand this way of thinking. Many of you have Friday and Saturday, or excuse me, Saturday and Sunday off, or, or at least one other day of the week off. But this way of thinking was completely foreign to these people back then. It wasn't just foreign, it was dangerous. Because if you didn't work, you didn't eat. They didn't have refrigeration back then. And so God speaks into this new nation that only knew 24-7 work, and he says, you're gonna take a day off work. And they're like, but God, you know, if we take a day off of work, there might not be enough food. What if the weather's bad? We're gonna starve. God says, trust me. God says, I don't want you to just fill up your schedule you know, with work and go, go, go. For 24 hours, you cannot work. For 24 hours, I want you to spend time with me and hang out with your friends and, and, and your family. God says, I want you to step back from the edge. I want you to create some margin. And if you trust me, you'll be more productive working six days a week than working 24-7. Trust me. And so the people expressed their their faith, their trust in God with their schedules by keeping the Sabbath. And God did the same thing with their uh, resources. God mandated this practice called uh, the tithe, which is literally setting aside the first 10% of money that comes in, giving it back to God by investing in the temple. And so here's what they did back then because they didn't have banks. Yeah, they would take a box or a jar, and when the money would come in, they'd take that first 10%, put it in the jar, put it in the box, and they would see that jar or box, but they knew they couldn't spend it because God commanded them to live with this financial margin. Just because money comes in doesn't mean it, it goes out. God says, step back from the edge, come back from the edge, and trust me with your finances. And you know what? I will do more you know, with your 90% than you could do on your own, with 100%. Trust me. Now, one more example. And this one had to do with their crops. God created this law called gleaning. And I want you to imagine you live back then, okay? And, uh, you know, you're a farmer. And remember, you don't have any refrigeration. And so you depend on your crops, okay? To make money and, and, to, and, and, and to eat. And so you've got a small farm. Maybe you've got a couple people helping you manage uh, your farm. And then God has the nerve to create this, this new law. Now, take a look at what it says here. He says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. harvest. Interesting, isn't it? God literally says, Don't go to the edge. Leave some margin. Leave some crop in the, in the ground. And he also says, Don't gather the gleanings. Gleanings refers to the crops that would fall on the ground, but they're still good, okay? They, they could still be used for food, they could still be sold for food. But God says, Leave it alone. Don't touch the gleanings. And here's why. He says, do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord God. God says, you know, I know that after you go through your fields and harvest the first time, you're going to want to go back again a second time and pick up all the gleanings that fell on the ground. But I don't want you to do that. But God, I mean, we need that food. We're leaving money on the table. God says, trust me. Leave it alone. Leave it for the poor. Leave it for the foreigner. Trust me to provide for you and, and bless you. And notice how God reminds them, I am the Lord, your God. And so God creates this new nation, and he says to them, I know that you're, you know, you're worried about producing enough and having enough, and I know that you're going to you know, push your, your limits and try to get as much as you can, but I want you to step back from the edge and live with margin, and trust me, and you will learn to enjoy your life even more. In the Old Testament, God called his people to a life of margin. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes along and he does the same thing. He says the same thing. One day, Jesus is walking along and some guys come up to him and they ask him a question. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? They're actually trying to trick him. You know, we got him now. And Jesus says, you know, when you think about your life, when you think about your priorities, love, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to notice here that God's number one priority for your life is not, you know, working more, producing more, changing the world, you know, getting a soccer practice on time. Those are all good things, but God's greatest priority is for you to love him. And to love the people that he put in your life. And that is going to take some margin in your life. That's going to take time. I'm going to have to say no to some things. Because God says, make sure that you've got time to love me. With all your heart and soul and mind. And to love, you know, the other people that I've put in your life. And then you can do what you want with the rest of your time. And then right before Jesus left this world and ascended to heaven, he gathered together his followers, all the men and women and, and families. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out in the world and teach everybody what I've taught you. I want you to teach them to obey the things I've taught you to obey. And I want you to go around. I want you to start new churches to help more people find and follow me. And again, what Jesus is saying here is this is going to take time. This is going to take money. This is going to tax you emotionally because it won't be easy. It was Jesus' way of saying, you have to have margin. You can't really follow me without margin. We're going to see in this series as we go through it that when we squeeze margin out of our lives, you know what we're really doing? We're actually squeezing Jesus and his mission out of our lives. And so I want to give you some homework, okay? A couple questions for you to work on. And if you're a note taker, I hope that you'll write these down. Here's the first question. Here's the first piece of homework. Ask yourself, you know, where do I need margin? What area in your life do you lack margin? And my guess is many of us probably probably know the answer to number one. And so let's move on to number two. This one's a little harder. What fear is connected to it? What's at the root of it? Why are you so driven to marginless living in that area of your life? I mean, why, why is that? Ask yourself those two questions. Now, as we uh, continue through this series, I'm pretty sure that some of you are gonna have like a little argument with me, you know, in your head. It'll go like this, you know, Ben, listen, you know, it's 2016, okay, it's my industry. It's just the way it is, it's work, work, work. You know, go, go, go. Uh, You know, that's just the way it is, okay. I get that, and today is more introductory. Uh, we're We're gonna answer more of your questions in the weeks ahead. But I'll tell you, this is a challenging subject for lots of people, myself included. I mean, sometimes my life feels like an Indy 500, but I'm learning I need margin. And uh, I'm learning to appreciate pictures. My wife is a big picture person. I've never really been a big picture person. She's always, you know, framing pictures, taking pictures, framing them and putting them up uh, around our, our house. But I'm learning that, that pictures actually communicate an important message that I need to hear. For example, here's one from our uh, living room. This is from a couple years ago. There's there's Marnie, and uh, there's our son, uh, Will. Uh, That was his senior year of of high school. Will's in in, in college now, but Will loved playing lacrosse. I think he played lacrosse for seven years, and so we went to lots. We went to seven years of, of lacrosse games. Sometimes we... Froze in the stands. Sometimes we got wet or sat under an umbrella. Sometimes we won. Sometimes we we lost. But we always really enjoyed, you know, watching Will and his team play lacrosse. But that's the last game. It's done. It's over. And that picture reminds me that time goes really fast, and kids grow up really fast. They're only children once. They're only teenagers uh, once, and you can never get that back again. And you know what? It's not just kids. I mean, there's many things in life you can't go back and redo. I mean, when you turn 30, guess what's gone? You know, guess what you can never have back again? Your 20s. Yeah. And same thing with your 30s and 40s and 50s. We only get one shot at life. And if we don't get it right, we live with regret. And we say, oh, I wish I would have. I should have. And so here's what I hope you'll do today and throughout this series. I hope that you will invite Jesus to come into your life and help you live a life of margin so that you don't have any regrets. I'm going to wrap up with the scripture here from Revelation. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears, you know, if anybody pauses and listens to my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I want you to notice here how Jesus knocks, stands outside and he knocks. I mean, he could, he could just come in. He could knock the door down and come in. Doesn't do that. He waits patiently, and he knocks on the door of your heart. And if you wait to open the door to him on on a hospital bed, you know, he'll come in, okay? He'll come in then, and he'll help you uh, find margin. If you wait until after a divorce, and you open the door to Jesus after a divorce, he'll come in then and try to help you pick up the pieces and, and live a life of margin, And if you wait until bankruptcy to uh, call on him and open the door uh, to him, he'll come in then and help you find margin. But here's my question. Instead of waiting until we go over the edge, you know, why not open the door to Jesus now and say, here is my time. Here's my schedule. Here are my emotions here's my morality, here's my money, and I'm no longer going to try to squeeze as much as I can out of life and find that my life is out of control. I'm going to open the door to you so that you can come into the rest of my life. I'm going to surrender to you and I'm going to step back from the edge in these areas and he will lead you to a life of margin and you'll discover that life is always better with margin. Now, we're going to continue this series next week. We're going to to continue it, and we're going to talk about our uh, schedules. And uh, I hope you have time to be here next weekend, all right? You know, maybe Jesus is knocking on your door today as we move into a time of communion. I'm going to pray for us. Maybe Jesus is knocking on your heart today. You know, he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He came back to life, and he loves to knock on doors. And maybe today you're going to let him in for the first time or the next time to help you lead a life of margin. Let's open our hearts to him as we share communion together. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you uh, created us not just to exist, not just to breathe, but to enjoy life and relationships and following you. And so over these next couple of weeks, would you just challenge us and stretch us and would you encourage us to take some steps to build in some margin, because life is always better with margin. You created us that way. And God, would you help us create space and, and to trust you in that space, because you can multiply our efforts, and you do every time. And so God, we pray over these next couple of weeks that families would be stronger, that relationships would all be stronger, that we would all be stronger Not just in relationships with each other, but most importantly, our relationship with you. Because that takes time as well. God, thank you for these next few moments to remember that Jesus not only died on the cross to forgive our sins, he's alive and he wants to come in and lead us to a life of margin. And we pray this in in his name. Amen.